Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hello, it's Dan again, and I can't believe it has been another week since we last chatted. It is Tuesday, May 10th, 2022, as I record this, and this is episode 30, um, which is kind of crazy. 30 isn't a normal milestone. I'm using air quotes, uh, as often people think, but, you know, it's it's still crazy to think how fast time goes and how many episodes I have published. But today, I have a chat with David Trotter about world building. Um, You know, this is something that, especially fantasy authors, that is just so fascinating to me as a fantasy reader and an author. And I could probably discuss this for for so long. Um, But you should join us later in this interview for that conversation. It's amazing. um, And I think you'll really like it. In author news, um, we are finishing up, I say we, meaning me and my proofreader, are finishing up The Proof of Shielded. This is a free novella that I will be putting on my site for any who sign up for my email list, and I'll be uploading it to Amazon and Ingram Spark as well, so you can purchase it in paperback format. It is very short. It's coming out about 130, 140-ish pages, so very short, um, and even then I've kind of spaced things out just to extend it a little bit more because, you know, a really thin book. Uh, it just doesn't feel as good in your hands. So it's only 32,000 words, roughly. Um, but I've heard a lot of really great feedback. And I'll be honest, like editing is this is just this huge black box that just I don't understand. No matter how many times I read through a manuscript and edit it, it's amazing how many things I miss. Um, I mean, granted, I don't understand commas for the life of me. Uh, for any of you that are listening, if you understand commas, if you have any tips or tricks, they just they blow my mind. I don't understand them. Um, for, fortunately, my editor and proofreader are great at commas, so they've been helping me figure that out. A majority, probably like 80% of the comments on it are comma problems. But then, of course, there's like wording problems and Anyway, I find it fascinating that I can go through it so many times and still miss so much in the manuscript. But I'm grateful for proofreaders and editors. Um, I value their time and I value their services. So I'm really excited about Shielded. Hoping to publish that next week. So um, hopefully on my next episode, you'll be hearing me say I just published or I'm about to publish on X day. So I sent out ARCs of it to a bunch of readers, um, told them that, you know, if they want to take, take a look at it, read through it and be prepared to put an Amazon review on, that would be excellent. And I started putting all of the files in KDP, just started, uh, just to make sure that the, the typesetting is coming out all right and whatnot. Obviously, I'll put the final manuscript back through Vellum to uh, typeset it and everything. But yeah, it's looking really good. Now, after that, I guess in the midst of that, I have also been working on Ascended. I've made it just past halfway in my first read through. 
And, you know, it's going pretty well. The The chapters are long, which I don't mind. I like long chapters. Um, but yeah, I can't, I, I prefer to go through an entire chapter in an editing session where possible. So it's going a little bit slower since I, I'm waiting for some bigger breaks in my day to actually read through it. But I'm really enjoying it. I think the story works very well. It flows well. Um, the ending, I, I think, works pretty well, although I, I, I need to get some beta readers to make sure that they agree with it. But yeah, otherwise, I'm hoping to get ascended ready for professional editing by july and that's a pretty lofty goal but that's the goal um if i can get it to professional editing by july hopefully i can publish beginning of september um then i'll have the complete light bearer chronicles trilogy plus prequel out which will be exciting um yeah so i mean that's it for for my author news in homesteading news uh our goat one of the goats finally had babies so this was one of the goats that we thought was supposed to have her babies three weeks ago three or four weeks ago we were just totally off um we apparently missed her heat date when she would have been pregnant the the buck was in there you know the boy goat was in there for a while with her she just got pregnant on the next cycle but she had quadruplets which is the first this is our first experience with quadruplets normally they've just had triplets or two twins or just one um so this is the first time with four and they all came out quite small i mean obviously to fit four babies in there makes sense though she was she was big we felt bad for her she like waddled around she just needed to have those babies but because there were four um goats aren't historically successful at um feeding um four goats at a time so we had to pull two of them and they are currently in a basket upstairs in our kitchen which you know the kids love they're having a blast up there with these tiny little baby goats in this basket they have they're in a laundry basket because they don't really jump quite yet um and yeah we just we have to feed them like every three to four hours uh it's it's been fun it's like having a newborn only the goats you can't talk to them and well, i guess babies don't understand but the, the, their instinct for bottle feeding is not um very there so we we're having to teach them how to take the bottle and it's relatively unsuccessful so far they're kind of figuring it out in any case, that's been fun. Uh, otherwise, we have been tilling our garden space. We spent hours of work last Saturday getting our massive garden beds put together, which we're excited about. We put a bunch of compost, shoveled tons of compost. That leaves only one massive garden space left. And then it's just about planting. So the, the weather is starting to turn a little bit warmer. It's been warm-ish nights. It gets below 30s for the past week and a half. But during the day, it's between 40s and 60s. So it's not terrible, but it's going to actually start turning up towards the 70s um, and lows of 30s and 40s next week, which I'm looking forward to. So that's exciting. Uh, more homesteading updates. Oh, yeah. And our other our other cat, we found out, was pregnant. So we are having more kittens. No idea how many. She's due sometime next week. Oh, you'll hear another update about cats, but we are just like swimming in animals right now. We have 20 goats, 21 chickens. I can't even remember how many cats. I think it's six cats now. And then when they have babies, so tons of animals here. Um, We are no longer a homestead in a lot of people's eyes. We just are a farm. So there you go. Lots of fun on the homestead. Um, Hopefully have more updates for you next week. So I believe that's everything for today. So we will go ahead and jump over to the interview portion of the podcast. Hey, David, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me out. 
so excited to have you here today. I actually have had your book for a while and I just started reading it in the past week. It's excellent. I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, but I, I'm excited to have you today because we're going to be talking a little bit about world building, um, which is something that I, I love both reading and writing. Before we get into that, uh, tell us how long you've been writing and publishing. So um, writing, I've done creative writing and I've written like little stories my whole life, right? Even from a little kid. Um, I'm a big Tolkien fan. Uh, my mom, and I'm younger, so right, but my mom made sure we all read the books before we watched the movies back in, you know, 2001 and stuff. I kind of got hit, hooked on it. I read them a lot. I started uh, making writing more than just a hobby in 2018. I started really trying to craft and build something more than just like a baseline story, um, which is it inevitably became, so the first book, I guess I should say I wrote, is going to be the first three books of my five book series that I'm currently working on. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, my first drafts are always actually pretty short, technically speaking. And then my second draft, I put all the useless information in and then I got to cut out. And so my, uh, my, the first book, that I wrote everything that happens in this book takes place in the first six chapters. Um, very disconjointed all over the place, crafted it all down, but I, this was published in November of 2021. So just a few months ago and uh, I, hopefully May 15th, it'll be fully released on audible. It's, I'm just waiting on ACX to approve the final run through. So pretty exciting. That is really exciting. I think it's, it's always cool to see your books made in another form. And audiobooks is one of those things that it's just hard to find the right person to record and or have the funds to do it. So that's a huge hurdle to, to get over. That's that's awesome. Absolutely. I think it's a it's a hurdle that not a lot of people talk about. Um, yeah. Because accessibility is huge, right? Especially you and I, we're both in the world of IT. Accessibility is a really big thing. Uh and then you're like, oh, I want to make I want to make my book is more accessible. I want to get it out there to more people. I mean, I'm sure you get asked. Mm -hmm. I was asked when I first put it. When's your book going to be an audio book? When's it going to be an audio book? And uh, I reached out to a couple different people, and I was getting. I mean, if you don't mind me just being quite frank, I was getting quotes of like twenty plus thousand dollars to mm -hmm. do a book. And uh, I'm a father. Uh, I'm married, uh, happily mm -hmm. married. I am a father, but I'm also happily married. I have three kids and a dog and a house. And I didn't have, you know, 20 grand laying around as I think most indie authors don't. And mm -hmm. so I didn't think it was going to be a possibility, but it was a pretty fun journey uh, meeting up and finding somebody who not only captured the voice I wanted for my book, but was, you know, able to do the recording at a budget that I could handle. Yep. I, I'm totally in the same place. People ask me when I'll get my audiobook, and the answer is someday. I'm not sure. There was a plan at one point to record it myself, but that's, there's very little time for that, especially if anyone wants me to keep writing anything. So, Absolutely. Uh, but no, I mean, this is, so you write fantasy and your book is quite lengthy um, according to, you know, industry. Mine is as well. And I love lengthy books. It's just what I prefer. Um, but, you know, one of the things that you've mentioned is you love the aspect of world building. Um, and I'm assuming you've always enjoyed reading books with very well-crafted worlds, right? Absolutely. 
So why yeah. why is that? Why why do you love it so much? So if you allow me, I am very intrigued with our own world. Mm-hmm. Like and, and and not to get into spoilers of my book, right? But to kind of give you a flavoring of it. There is layers and there are things that are happening in some and you see through different characters' perspectives and each perspective, they see the world very, very differently. And I feel it's like the same way in our world. And if you don't take the time to develop what has led to those things, even if you don't share the full events in your story, you can lose cohesity and cohesion, right? There's a reason that, you know, my ordiations are called ordiations. The Danelanders are called Danelanders. The reason the Daiju believe what they believe and act the way they act, the reason that every there's a reason for everything even to like um and i don't know if you know shad brooks who does like shadiversity he's a youtube personnel um but he kind of did something on this where it's like you know even my swearing uh, i don't like to swear i don't use a lot of so if you're looking into my book it's it's a cleaner book right i don't use a lot of swearing but they do swear in the sense that of in their own world right Mm -hmm. um and so there's things that they would say that to you and i would be like that's silly or that doesn't make any sense but in their world it is and Mm -hmm. so just things like that uh cultures are unique and different um and i love reading a book with a diverse culture uh to kind of push on somebody who i think does an excellent job and it actually took me a long time to get into it i don't know if you've read any of malazan uh, erickson, no. erickson has done just like this it, it, it's huge right it's massive i think the book of the fallen is like 20 something books or something like that oh, wow. crazy i haven't read all of it i'm in like book five or six and the world building is just so huge and so massive but you feel like you're there mm-hmm. um that's one of the things I really appreciated now from a different scope of obviously you've written books. And that was one of the things I really enjoyed about reading your book is you really get a sense and a feel um, of the environment of the culture, the power set, why it is what it is, why different. And again, I, to avoid spoilers of your book, uh, why certain people are acting the way they're acting, right? And why that matters. And I think that's I think it's critical for a for a good fantasy book. Um, now you can have fantasy books that has very surface level world building shown, but it, but I think it needs to be there in the background to have that gravitas. Agreed. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and that's the thing about world building is it's not like this standard you know, certain level, it's not considered world building. If it's not a certain level, world building is essentially painting the picture of this different places, different universe. I have admittedly, and I won't name any books, but I have, I have read a number of books where the world building either wasn't there or it just didn't match the flow of the story. And so I found myself thinking, I don't even know, like, what is the time period? What, what is it like in this place? And I just, I know what's happening in the story. And I understand at least on a surface level what the character's motivations are but i'm left lacking is like i don't really know what what i'm supposed to be experiencing like i don't know what they're wearing i don't know you know what what they're thinking are their religions like these are questions that actually bother me if it's missing from a story but i know that not everybody prefers that and that's okay um but the level of world building should at least match the character's motivations you know the problems Mm -hmm. that they're running into and experiencing otherwise you don't have this immersive story that captures the reader and they're like oh i'm hanging on every word i want to know what's happening um 
But like, how did you, so for your book and for books that you've read, how do you get a sense that the world building is sufficient for you? Well, you know, we can look back to Father Tolkien, right? And you don't need 14 pages to describe a tree. Now, don't get me wrong. I love it, right? And we've all seen the Michael Scott, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but to 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 understand like, hey, naming, right? Like, why did these people have names that are like this? And why did these this other group of people have names that look like this? It's not about putting people in boxes, right? So in my book, right, it's not medieval fantasy. And that becomes apparent pretty quickly. And so the idea of like total segregation of groups or races or tribes, that is there is there distance? Yes, there's distance, just like there's still distance today. But we still see people from other parts of the world. And even if we don't understand everything about their culture, their belief systems, their ideology, we can still say, hey, I get at least in a small degree, why you act this way or why you would say this or why something would be offensive or why something would be acceptable. And so for me, when I'm reading a book, um, I love whenever you get it in layers, right? Like when something happens and you're like, oh, they did something that was weird or unusual. And then like in a book two or book three, or maybe later on in the book, you meet somebody from another perspective that understands that culture. And it kind of is like, this is why we do this thing. Or like, or I think that's a really cool way. It's one of my favorite tropes, uh, a trope that not a lot of people talk about. I think when everybody talks about tropes, they're always like, you know, the love triangle or the hero to villain or villain to hero. But I love the trope where like people interact and that interaction is like, that was strange. And then you see it from another perspective or you see somebody from the same culture interacting with another person, but from the opposite viewpoint of why they were interacting that way. I think that's a really fun trope and it shows just how much effort you put into your world crafting. I, I totally agree. I mean, that kind of lends to the multiple POV writing. I personally prefer multi POV. I know a lot of people don't. I mean, I'll happily read anything, but just the, like you said, the, the multiple perspectives, it just provides way more insight on the storyline. When you've got different people, different backgrounds, there's like they're experiencing either the same things in a different way or, you know, consecutive, not even consecutive, um, just like events that are happening in a string. Maybe that is consecutive, mm-hmm. um, and but they're experiencing it from different perspectives. I just prefer the you can build the world better. I think in that in that way. But no, I agree. I think th- there's a lot of very common tropes that people love or dislike or whatever. But yeah, there are some of these edge tropes that people don't think about that you know maybe they're not detecting as they're reading mm-hmm. the, these these really complicated built worlds or um, these just stories that are crafted. It's so far out of reach from our own reality that they're just like, you know, either it's hard to keep track of everything or, you know, they're just not noticing it because they're just enjoying it so much. But um, it's hard to it's hard to do. Like world building isn't like, oh, you know, I'm just going to create this thing and it's going to land effectively. And, you know, I, I would probably even say that there's nobody's perfect at it. Even yeah, some of the greatest absolutely. authors, they're not perfect. At it. Like some people can read the Wheel of Time series. And there's a lot of been people that people that have read it recently and said, I don't like it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't enjoy the world. It's boring or it's slow. I read it and I enjoyed it. Right. Because that's the type of world building I prefer. So for you, like how how did you approach building the world for birthrights? Um, so. 
I'll give you the 32,000 foot view, right? So I <laughs> okay. came in and I, so my wife, to kind of, kind of preface this, my wife loves a lot of YA and new age fantasy, right? Okay. She loves that style of reading. She was big on Divergent and uh, all those ones, right? All the different ones. She's reading, she's rereading the Percy Jackson series again for who knows how many of times, right? Um, and so what I do is I write to where I describe, you know, down to like the thread count in a vest. And my <laughs> wife says, hey, that's entirely too much. Please, mm-hmm. please cut some of this out. Like you don't need 14 pages to describe clothing. Let's move along, <laughs> right? But for me, for world building, what I try to do is I, I start from the beginning. Why Why does your world exist? Like how does it exist and what what are the fundamental building blocks? And in fantasy, I think, you can ask that question because like for mine, there are three extraterrestrial, celestial, whatever you want to call them, sources of power that make everything in existence move. Um, and part of the world is been crafted with those sources. And so it's literally part of the world building that's building the world. Right. Um, and so, so it starts with that. And there are in my book, a pantheon of gods and those gods influenced events a really, really long time ago. And so now there are entire civilizations and nomenclature based off of those gods names and actions. And it just kind of disseminates down, but it's been over time, it's shifted and it's changed and myth is kind of here and religion is kind of taking place here and people have moved to the point where you know in the 1600s in our world right you know there was a lot of very unique belief systems about what things were and what was real and what wasn't whereas like now we have very different viewpoints so when people look at a fantasy and say well nobody would believe that it's like well i mean there are a lot of people who currently right now believe certain things that are very different mm-hmm. than other people believe and so I think it's just as long as you kind of start and you craft, that's my method, right? But as long as you're crafting something that makes sense to your world, I believe in starting at the beginning and working my way forward. So actually the original prologue of my book was like the creation story of my book and it was just too much and it was too vast and there was just too many names that you mm-hmm. couldn't pronounce and were too too wild. And so what I did is I took that entire prologue out and I wrote a novella. It's sitting on the back burner. It needs to be re-edited and reworked. And I'm going to release it at some point in time for somebody to just read. It won't be necessary, but it'll be all of this information if you want it. But I use a tool and I think different people have different tools that they can use. I use a tool called Campfire. I would okay. love to be sponsored by them, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, if you're listening, Campfire, hit me up. But uh, it, it's just a tool that allows you to file and clean and show different things. And there's a character page, a character arc page, a map page, an items page, and it can, and it like ties and links everything together. And I tried using Word document and Excel sheets for a long time, but it just got so jumbled and messy that me personally, I needed something. I'm very ADHD and I get distracted. And so I needed a clean place to put all my stuff so I could find it. So that's what made you decide to organize it in this way? Had you tried world building? You know, you mentioned sheets um, and I guess where did that fail for you or where campfire helped? I, I spent again. So I work full time and uh, kids and stuff. So I only get back an mm-hmm. hour, maybe two a day to write. 
if yep. I'm on a good day. And I was spending 20, 30 minutes digging through things, trying to find stuff, you know, the control F feature, trying to <laughs> type in the word and, and then just, it, and it got really messy and it was very frustrating. And I, and I started getting actually aggravated and I almost backed away from writing for a while. Um, and then I, and then, like I said, finding this tool and there's other ones, I think there's like world and full and there's just, there's all kinds of different like world building tools out there. I know some people even use like, I think D and D has like a, a free thing that you can use for character creation and world building for your own thing. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. This one just worked well for me personally. That's yeah. That's, that's actually helpful because tools are often what are left out when people are thinking about how to solve problems like world building or organizing. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I had seen Campfire some time ago. Um, I haven't used it, but you know I've thought about it. And I've heard a lot of really good things about it. So we can put that in the show notes for people who are curious about Absolutely. you know how how you use that to to world build. But, you know, your process you've mentioned, which I think is so interesting, is that you write kind of like a bare bones version of the story ish. Right. And then you like over explain things and then you scale it back. So I guess what's the reason for that? Like, have you found that that's just an effective way for yourself? So. It's that's an excellent question. And and this comes back to the are you a pantser or are you a plotter? True. Okay. And I would say I'm neither, right? I would say I pants and then I plot and then I pants again and then I cut and then I cut and I scope. So when I write the thing, I get I get this idea and it plays out. I know everybody's a little bit different, but it plays out like a movie in my head. And mm-hmm. I just got to get the thought on the paper. How do I get from point A to point B? Right. Like, where do I want everybody to end? And I just kind of write in this rough, you know, smorgasbord of words that kind of don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is then I think like a TV series. And I'm like, oh, this would be a really cool scene. And we've all seen a TV series where there's that episode that you're like, that did. I mean, that was cool that you did that, but that was it did nothing for me. Like it didn't move the plot forward. It didn't help mm-hmm. me. And, and so what I do is like I'll write all these different scenes and then I'll go through in my third draft and say, this scene, not necessary. I like it. Maybe I can work it in some other way or maybe get this thought across somewhere else, but I can get rid of it. But what that also allows me to do is say, hey, my character got from, you know, this point over here, that's 30,000 miles away from this point over here in two days. And they walked and there's no way that that can happen. Right. You know, And, and so it allows me to say, hey, this needs to change. This needs to be added. And again, that's what for me, what really changed my book um, and and why it went from being one big book to a series is there was just no way I was going to tell the story I wanted to tell reasonably in one book. Uh-huh. I just couldn't do it. I mean, it, I, I mean, I guess I could have, but it would have made Oathbringer look like a, you know, a novella. <laughs> you know, it, it just wouldn't have worked out. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good reasons to break up books. Um, so I can totally support you on that. Um, I, I really do like big books. I will admit that they are somewhat overwhelming. But yeah, it all comes down to story flow as well, right? Because world building, like you've mentioned, there are some books where there's just like 14 pages of unnecessary description, which I've heard recently that a lot of readers end up skipping, which I can kind of it understand, right? Yeah. <laughs> it blows my mind. I can't. <clears throat> I, I don't, but I, the reason I can understand it is if someone 
like the world building can get to a point for some people where they are brought out of the story because they're too focused. Like, I don't even know what's happening. Right. I'm just lost. And so I don't skip that. I, I don't understand it from that perspective of like, I wouldn't do that, but like, you know, for someone who prefers books that are a little bit lighter in nature, if they try to read something massive like that, they're like, no, I don't, I can't follow. Like I'm confused. So, but, you know, pacing is important. So um, I'm curious to know, though, if you had written this one book, how many words would it have been if you hadn't broken it up roughly? Do you, if you oh, could estimate? My uh, well, I, I can give you a pretty rough estimate. At the time when I finally decided to bust it and I said, hey, this is too much. It was so weighty. Like, and again, this was on my second iteration. Right. Uh-huh. I've already said that's kind of the messy big one. I was at about 430,000 words and I said, yeah, this is not okay. This is just not okay. And so what I did is I took section one, two, and three, and I literally said, Hey, section one, you get to be book one, section two, you're now book two and section three, you're going to be the rest of the story because, um, and, and for the people who've ever read Brandon Sanderson, I was about to have a Sandra Lanch of epic proportions to get section three done. Like uh-huh. it would have just been horrible. And as much as I enjoy a little bit of a Sandra Lanch, I also get a little bit frustrated because some things I don't feel like get resolved to my personal mm-hmm. liking. And I'm a character writer. I love characters. So I try to create a unique world and put characters in that world and see how they react. Mm-hmm. It's not so much like, hey, here's magical MacGuffin that we need to destroy. And that's what's driving the plot. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I love those stories too. Like there's some fantastic magical MacGuffin stories out there. But mm-hmm. there's also, I also love a book where you kind of just sit down and you're dealing with somebody with wet socks and they're frustrated. They're out in the swamp for the 14th day and you have no idea what's really going on. <laughs> just in this character's head, they're upset or they're excited about something and they feel like a human. I, I love the characterization too. And it's, that brings me to something else that I would love to get your perspective on as someone who enjoys world building flashbacks or like, um, I don't know if it's, yeah, I guess that's what they call flashbacks. What's your perspective yeah. on those? I'm just curious from a world building well, depending, perspective. Depending on how far you've gotten into my book, I like flashbacks. I, some people do, some people don't. And it's extremely controversial. Yes. Um, and my opinion is only when necessary and keep it succinct and brief. And here's what I mean by that. You can actually have multiple pages that are succinct and brief, right? Mm-hmm. Just don't, I don't need two chapters that is just a flashback in a row or six chapters. Now I love the King Killer Chronicles, right? And they are all flashback. Like that's the whole thing. It's both flashing back. And so but that's the way the story is set up. So I'm biased there. But mm-hmm. um, in my story, that's one of the driving things for one of my characters are flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I handle it a little bit differently than some authors do because it, it's not a true like flashback. But you don't really understand that until the end of the book, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, okay. It does. <laughs> um so I don't know if you, like I said, you said you just picked it up and I think in chapter three, you get your first, so you may not be there yet, but in your, you get oh, your I first, literally just started. Yeah. 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 So you get your point. first, you get your first flashback and, and there's a, I wouldn't say subtle, but it's an easy to miss hint 
that mm-hmm. it's not just a memory and that there's more at play. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, so I, I, I know it's controversial, which is why I wanted to ask your perspective because in my opinion, this is strictly opinion. I don't believe that world building or characterization specifically can be as effective without at least some flashbacks or at least a a pretty significant amount of backstory delivered in a different way. Now, flashbacks are an effective way to do that, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. um, because you can get kind of over explaining without a flashback, like, oh, X thing happened to X person, yada, yada, yada. And outside of the context of a flashback, it's kind of like, okay, like, I don't quite understand why that's impactful. But flashbacks are an amazing tool to be like, okay, that's why this character is behaving the way they are now. That's why they are the way they are now. And I don't know, that's just what I think. You're going to say something. No, I I was going to say that that's, you know, like I said, it's it's controversial. And I guess like any trope, like any story, when handled right, when handled well, you can get away with anything, right? Yep. We can say, hey, we don't like flashbacks, but again, restating like the king killer chronicles like name of the wind and stuff that's all that book is there's only Mm -hmm. like 30 pages in that whole entire novel that's in current time period right like everything else is just a flashback or retelling and it's one of the highest acclaimed stories that there are in, in modern literature and then you can have like a single flashback in one book of a YA novel and everybody loses their mind. Like, Oh, why are you putting a flashback in here? So it's, I, I, I like them and I love when they're handled uniquely, Mm -hmm. right? Give, give me something that like, have you watched the arcane on netflix the, I have not, uh, no okay so they do flashbacks really uniquely so anybody who's like into like i think it, it's not warhammer it's something i don't play a lot of tabletop games i just don't have time but it's like mm-hmm. it's either it's it's like one of those like dungeons and dragons-esque shows but it's made into an animated series and the way they do flashbacks is amazing because they do it side by side with real time and it's really cool like you'll see the character as their 20 something year old self and then you'll see an image of them as a child in that same position experiencing a similar situation and then how they like handled it differently and it kind of it's really neat. Um, so that's that like cool. a unique way to do a flashback. But I also don't think there's anything wrong with taking a chapter and setting it back in time mm-hmm. and and explaining a, a, a backstory, especially if it's critical to that character. Mm-hmm. One of the things I don't necessarily love, and again, controversial, and this is, again, my own thoughts to each their own, is I don't necessarily love when somebody sits down and tells somebody else's story. Mm, okay. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like there, there's examples where like, let's say you and me have met and you and I don't know each other really well, but let's say there's a third party that knows both of us. And they're like, Hey, Aaron or Dan, my bad, Dan, let me tell I you about like David. Aaron. That's cool. Hey, well, you know, <laughs> I saw the hey, names are hard. It's like, Hey Dan, let me tell you about David. And I just sit here quietly while somebody else tells my story. I don't necessarily love that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's more unique ways to do that. But there's also times like how that's done really well, though, on the flip side is where you have that more stoic, gruff looking person. And somebody's like, hey, you know, you may not know this, but so and so had like a rough childhood and they're like traumatized by X event. But but then Mm -hmm. they don't tell the whole event. And then you as a reader is like, oh, I can divine from that situation some of the happenings. And then Mm -hmm. maybe you get a flashback later on where you actually see it through that person's perspective. So. 
just different ways you can handle it. It's just the, the one thing that I'm sure everyone is gathering from this as I have is that there is no cut and dry way to write, <laughs> which no, is absolutely a good thing, not. but it can also be challenging, right? Because, you know, sometimes people seek, well, you know, I wish there was like a really predefined outline or method for writing, but there's not really, because it really comes down to your preference, your target audience preferences. But I think it's safe to say that like, at least all the books I've read, anything that is lacking in world building, at least in the setting and the genre, it just bothers me. Like I just, yeah. the, but the book just doesn't land. I don't, I find myself not caring, um, but normally those are shallow. Yeah. Shallow. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, um, not, not bad. I mean, they could be excellently written. Right. Like the, the, the right. prose is good. The crafting is well done. The characters may even be great, but when mm-hmm. you kind of just kind of throw them out on a shallow sheet of ice, it just seems shallow. <laughs> yep. I just, I just not interested. And I think that's, everyone has their own preference. If you prefer those types of books, that's excellent. But I mean, you, you know, just recognize the level of world building that's appropriate for your genre and, and the story yeah. you're trying to tell. And if it matches, I would wager that most readers would be fine with it. Right. Um, so, like, I, I don't just read books with really deep world building. I read books that without deep world building. And if it's if it matches the speed and the characters of the book, great. That's that's perfect. So, and, and, um, and to your point, I think, and I'm, I'm going to come on record here and say this: world building doesn't have to mean 14 languages, 32 races, you know, a century of predefined history, right? It's just crafting something that feels complete mm-hmm. or at least sensibly driven mm-hmm. and that that characters have more motivation to do to do tasks or driven to do certain things besides just, oh, I had a vision or some old wizard came and said, hey, you got to go do this thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um so I just want to put that out there. Like, yes, no, it does not. It does not mean you need to spend, you know, 14 years developing this whole anthology in history. It just it needs to just be make sense. But speaking of 14 year olds, if you don't mind me asking you a question, because I am curious about this. This is our first okay. time to actually speak. One of the things that you did really well that I appreciated that I am scared of as an author. And I'll go out and say it is you wrote from different age perspectives i struggle to write from anybody that's like pre-18 i don't know i'm not old but i feel like i've missed that mark and i'm not hip and cool anymore what was (laughs) what was that like to to get into the mindset of a you know adolescence i guess is the word you would use somebody that's you know not established and understanding of who they are i don't know if you don't mind me Oh, you're welcome to ask. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting thing. And I'm a pantser. So I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. Just full and fully open with it. Um, I mean, that was unplanned. It just kind of happened. But, you know, in my mind, the normally, I mean, any author draws on any experience that that they've had. I mean, that's where we're getting Mm -hmm. a lot of our ability to write. Um, But for me, it really came down to just like, Thinking about, you know, when I was that age or other my friends that were that age, brothers, siblings, cousins that are currently that age, and just like remembering and thinking about their reactions to certain situations, kind of like, especially in the world that they live in, right? I mean, mine Mm -hmm. is a medieval fantasy. Yours is not. Um, But it was a little bit tricky at first. However, I realized it wasn't as tricky when 
Um, I just have a really rampant imagination. <laughs> so I would just, I would just like put myself in that their place and put it to the extreme, if that makes sense. Because then it's just like, when you see it in an extreme fashion, then it kind of helps you understand it in a less extreme fashion to write it that way. So, I mean, this is interesting. You probably haven't read Sunfire. I have um, not yet. And, and that's all right. Yet. No, no pressure. You don't have to even. But what's even more fascinating about that one is that entire book is first person from the perspective of a 15 year old girl, um, which I'm not a 15 year old girl. Right. <laughs> so but everybody that's read it, everyone that's read it is just like, that is really weird. Like you did so good with that. And it's just like, I don't I don't know why that was the case. That's just the way the story had to be. But for me, I actually prefer the multi range of age perspectives in addition to, to genders as well. I just I like that because it's just way more perspective on the story. So well, whether or not it lands for everybody, I don't know. Well, it's fun. And and here's what I love about like that is you can have people do stuff and the reader be like, well, why didn't they just do X, Y, Z? Right. And I love I love that question because I can say throughout all of our history. Well, you know, why didn't Julius Caesar just, you know, not be a jerk? He would you know, he would have kept going or like, why didn't you know, (laughs) why didn't George Washington just do this or why did you know, you could just. You can why didn't all the way through. And that's one of the things I love about writing that I think a lot of readers who aren't writers kind of, I I think that it's not to say they don't understand, but I think it becomes a lot less glaring and I can Mm -hmm. forgive a lot in a book. Like we call them plot holes, but you know, people do things because of personal motivations or out of ignorance. And I think, you know, especially when you're dealing with younger and I love like some of the more snarky moments where you have the more, you, you know, with your character, the more the younger, you know, protege trying to like figure things out and get a little bit snarky with the more tenured individual that's like, hey, you know, this is this is the way you do it because this is the way it's done. And, you know, you kind of run into that sometimes in, in fantasy and just in literature in gener- general when people are like, well, why didn't they just do X, Y and Z? It's like, well, I don't know. Why didn't they you just, do X, Y, and Z? Right, know? that's the thing. Like, Why didn't I invest in Tesla six years ago when I right? I don't know. Seriously, or Bitcoin before it blew up, right? Like, all there's all sorts of things. But that's the thing. It's just like the, the great thing is there's so many um, choices for characters to make, especially in these really complicated worlds that they're in. And why they choose one over another honestly doesn't matter but the fact that they did and what resulted after is what the story is and so you know sometimes when i have thoughts like that i was like why didn't character x all i want is well now i want another story of if they did x right like that just makes me want more because yeah i want to see what happens but i I'm not, we're not going to delve into multiverse. Like that's, <laughs> that's a different topic. Whole other podcast. Um, seriously, the whole other podcast and something that I'm not very experienced in, but I, I'd love to learn more about it. Um, so there's so much we could talk about and, you know, world building is one of those things where as an author, you get to decide the depth of world building, but just have fun with it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it can be the most fun part of writing in ways, um, can be most challenging as well. just depends. Um, I have a hard time remembering admittedly some of the things I'm a pantser. Um, I need to Mm -hmm. use campfire sounds like, (laughs) Um, or any, or any, right. Or any, (laughs) any organization system. Um, but, you know, if people want to dive into your books, where can people find more information about you and about the book slash books that you're you're writing? Where can they find yeah. you? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, so 
two things on that, uh, and I'm going to hit you with something that I did specifically because, again, I'm a huge world builder. And, yeah, I'm going to hit my socials up. One of the things I love most about my book is is at the back, I I went through and I made like a whole glossary index, terms, places, things, items, just because – and a lot of that stuff is not in the actual book itself, but I had written it just to help people like figure out why and see why, but where Mm -hmm. do you find me? So first and foremost, um, I'm on, I'm on all the major retails. If you're looking to buy birthrights, you can find me on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, books, a million target, Walmart, wherever you want to look. Right. I'm pretty sure if you online, um, obviously, um, I am in two local bookstores in Fort Smith and Conway. So if you're local, you can find me there. Um, just fun little things I did, but social I'm on Facebook. You can find me, David Andrew Trotter, on Facebook. That's me, 16. Um, David Andrew Trotter works out really well, right? Um, I'm on I'm on a, I'm on Instagram there, and then David A. Trotter 92 on TikTok. I like to make dumb videos. I need to do a better job at doing author videos. I somehow over the last couple of weeks became the office TikToker, not like the show office, but like I'm in an office and I'm like one of four people in an office that sees like 480 people. And so I make just like goofy. So if you ever want to see antics, um, I'm around. I like to communicate and connect with people. TikTok is a strange place, but hey, it is a weird place. So. You'll see me slinging books, talking about IT or wearing a kilt. So it's mm-hmm. one of one of the three, sometimes all at the same time. So I feel like we're all just trying to figure it out. But I'll put all of that in the show notes. And I actually did not. I just have your book here. I did notice the, the glossary. I, I will say that. I yeah. haven't read through it yet because I just started actually oh, yeah. reading the book. But I think that's a really cool touch. So um, I'll take a peek at that and, and see Absolutely. what treasures exist at the end of your book. But I appreciate you joining for uh, joining me today. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. I hope you found that helpful um, and interesting because, you know, world building is such a subjective thing. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that a lot of people can agree is extremely important in a lot of books, particularly fantasy, sci-fi, you know, dystopian books. Um, but I think a lot of people have different like tolerances and interest for it because someone who might enjoy something like Tolkien might not enjoy a book that has uh, lighter world building or fewer descriptions. Uh, it really comes down to what is your preference. But at the end of the day, like the world needs to be built appropriately to the story, whatever that story is. So you know, if, if it's like a romance book and it requires lighter world building, then I think that's totally fine. It just depends on what you're writing and the audience that you're marketing too. Now, frankly, I like fantasy books, so I do prefer some deeper world building. Um, and, you know, some of my books, I would even consider those on the medium to light side of world building. I, I could have gone into more detail, but I did chose not to for various reasons. Um, but anyway, if you have questions, comments, uh, or, you know, just want to let me know what your thoughts are on the podcast, you can contact me at authordkenner at gmail.com. Or, of course, uh, any of my socials, author Dan Kenner, you should find me all over the place. Um, and then as well, you can contact me via my form at dankenner.com. Uh, so I hope you join me next week. Thanks.